Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. Once again, I'm here with Thomas Winborn. How you doing today, man? Doing great, man. It's a great day. Uh, even though we're looking at some uh, kind of cloudy weather outside, it's been a beautiful week. Yeah, it's been a really good week. Um, I feel very productive this week. I don't know about you. Um, oh, slammed, but productive. Yeah, that, a very busy week for you, I know. Yeah. A lot of different meetings and things like that. So who's got your ear this week? Oh, man. So uh, the Gospel Coalition website has kind of got my ear. I listened to a lot of people on there. If you want to check that out, it's a great resource or something for everybody. Even if you want to grow in your faith, they have a discipleship kind of track that you can find in there under resources. It's the Gospel Coalition website. It, it, look it up, thegospelcoalition.org. Mm-hmm. And so you can find it also as a link on our website under resources. You can also, and th- this is what I do sometimes when I want to look something, just Google TGC. I mean, yeah, that, like TGC, most of the time it'll yeah. pull that up. Um, I love the Gospel Coalition because they actually do free seminary courses. They're exactly. like taught by people through there. I, I so there's one that's like, "What is the Gospel?" by D. A. Carson, who's one of my favorite scholars. I'll take students through that because it's yeah. super simple. And they're so, bite sized, so you can do five minutes and be done. Yes, you know? it's very simple. Don't be overwhelmed when I said seminary courses. It is very yeah. simple. I love the Gospel Coalition. I mean, we went to the conference. Like, yeah, it's really two years good ago, stuff. So it's yeah. good stuff. Uh, for me, I'm going back to pastor's talk. Um, I've just been trying to get caught up on that when I'm working out at night. Just when I'm sitting there doing school work, I've just been listening to Mark Dever and Jonathan Lehman talk through, you know, just different church uh, matters. So who are you worshiping with this week? Well, I put this phrase here. I don't know if all that she does is worship, but there's this one song that's been in my heart by Jess Ray. That's Jess Ray. And the never song is, yeah, I didn't ever hear of her until recently either. So, uh, I just found my way towards her. She's a Christian. She has a really cool, unique sound. It was not my normal. Yeah. Uh, but the song is Did Not Our Hearts Burn. And it comes from that part where Jesus is walking on the road to Emmaus. And they recognize that Jesus was just with them. And they go, like, did not our hearts burn when he was with us? And so it's just a really cool kind of. I don't even know what genre to put it in. I mean, you heard the song yeah, of the day. You were you you played it yesterday. Yeah, and it's this really I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a weird funky jazz. It sounds like I would be sitting inside a coffee shop in Seattle and I would yeah. hear that song. Yeah, you know, like that's and it's just really been speaking to my heart. I just like the groove of mm-hmm. it, and so uh, Jess Ray, check her out. I don't know all the things she does. I don't know where she comes from background, so I can't you know promote all that. But the song is has been really been kind of working I'll do on some me. research. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Um, I've been listening to this uh, band uh, called Maverick City Music. Uh, once again, I'm not very familiar with their background. They're a worship band. I know that. Uh, they have this song called Refiner, and it's talking about, you know, the Lord purifying us, our bodies as a living sacrifices. And one of the, I mean, one of the lyrics says is, like, I want to be purified by your fire. Like, I mean, like, refine me. Like, yeah, and it's good. It, it, it's really good, especially in this season. You know, I feel like the church is being refined in a lot of ways. We're going to talk about that today. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, that's that should be our prayer. Father, refine me. Make me more like you through your fire. And, I mean, first peter you know do not be surprised when the fiery trial comes upon you brothers yeah and man. so i think that that's one way the lord refines us that's good uh, what are you reading this week well uh it's an oldie but a goodie i would say one of those old dead guys i love to read in fact john owen is his name and i've got two of my kids have those names yeah. in there john thomas and luke owen because yes. i love this guy uh, a puritan guy super intelligent when i read him i have to stop and think on every page and like what did he just say and reread it you know it's a thick read but this particular area of his studies is what's been deemed communion with god 
So it's about how do we actually have that like relational part of life with God. And it looks at all the aspects, just systematic, man, through the God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, Christ, the Son, how all these pieces play together, how we actually live in that in a real way. It's, it's just really good stuff. I read um, on the mortification of sin by John Owen, yeah. and yep. man, which means, know, by the way, most people don't use that yes, term yeah, anymore. Yeah. Killing, killing sin, sin. Yeah, killing sin. sin. Yeah. I like at some points was like, "What is this dude talking about?" Because it's like, I mean, it's Puritan language, and so. Well, not only that, he he was one of the top scholars of his day. Yeah. Period. And so when you read this guy, he's writing, thinking in such a high level mm-hmm. that you, and, he, and he's British, right? So yeah. you, you've got this guy who like they write one sentence as a whole page. <laughs> so yeah. you've got to stop and process. When I first started reading these guys, I would sit by a professor when I had a moment and I'd be reading through something and I would say, hey, what did he just say? Read this and tell me what he said. <laughs> yeah. Give me the cliff notes, you know, it's hard, but it's worth it. It, it is worth it. Um, I, I learned that on the mortification of sin was actually a sermon given to young men, Yeah, which I thought was really neat. Yeah. And so um, for for me, I've been reading um, this book called One Assembly by Jonathan Lehman. Um, it's a really challenging book for me um, in the sense of I don't agree with everything he's saying, um, if that makes any sense. And so um, I I like it. Um, it's been really good for me. He has really solid exegesis working through the scriptures. But chapter three, I told Thomas this other day, if you don't pick up this book, read chapter three, because it talks about this idea of church networks that I think our area and most around our country, especially in the West, uh, Christian West, we have not seen something like this, like what the early church did. Well, and I would even say that most people don't know that we're a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, right? Most people don't know that the Southern Baptist Convention, I put that in quotes, is actually a network and not a denomination by yeah. all definitions. So we started out as being networked church- churches in a local area that formed an association of those local churches, which then when you had a bunch of those all over the country, they became a convention, they call it, but it's still a network. So that's yeah. how we originally were meant to be. And in the early church, like you said, I mean, that's that's what it was. The church at Ephesus was probably multiple churches in the city and homes yeah. that was called the church. And, and also Ephesus. how they were sending funds to Paul. Paul yeah. talks about that, yeah. even funding the church in Jerusalem because there was a lot of poor people in Jerusalem going to that church and they were yeah. funding that church. And so I, I'm, I've been challenging myself. What would it look like if we did this? You know, what would it look like if we did this in Gadsden and all this? Because you mean the network part? Yeah, 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 yeah. The network part. Like, what would it look like if we did a church network of partnerships and you know helping one another and coming alongside one another and doing gospel work for the kingdom instead of trying to build our own little kingdoms? You mean what would it look like if churches actually acted like sisters instead of like competitors? Listen, man, that's crazy, dude. It's insane. <laughs> Don't get too crazy though. Okay. Calm I mean, down. I will be honest, you know, and I and I I love this town, and I I I thought I never wanted to move back when I left, just to be honest. But honestly, man, the Lord has softened my heart and turned me. I, I love this place. Um, the heartbreaking part of coming back here, as I say this as an aside was the high walls around a lot of the churches yeah. where we don't want to work together for the sake of the gospel, um, maybe not even hold hands or even communicate. Some of that's breaking down, really encouraging, uh, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah, we do. And um, I mean, I think, you know, just through different means through the collective, you know, our new student ministry network that's formed and all those yep. things. I think that's helping a lot of things. But like you said, we do have a long way to go. But just to be thinking about this idea, what would it look like, y'all, if we did network churches, where churches network together, where a church in Rainbow City helped churches in, I'm going to say it, 
Atala, Alabama. Watch you know, out. yeah, Atala. don't 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 get too crazy with it. And so, like, what would happen if we came alongside sister churches and did gospel work? That's another podcast for another day. It would Let's be hard. On. It would be hard to say Atala like, oh, Atala. Atala. You know, you can oh. do that. You're or like Southside or like Glencoe. <laughs> you can do that if you're helping churches in that area. You know, no. we become one. Yeah, you, as the church. Should yeah, be. And, and you think yeah. about man, what what's the gospel doing over here? Man, they're doing a great job reaching these people. Well, yep. then we're going to reach these people. We're not going to like sit there and try to compete over people. They're doing a better job than us at this area. So yeah. let's help them in their work and they can help us in our work. And then guess what? We're doing kingdom work. Yeah. Mind blowing. Right. <laughs> and so, um, what's a book everyone needs to read? Yeah. So I picked, uh, the screw tape letters for this episode because it's by CS Lewis. Um, CS Lewis wrote this. It wasn't originally meant to be a book. He wrote these articles, one of the most interesting books you'll ever pick. Yeah. Up. So he wrote these articles and the idea that he was kind of put, put on to to do this they wanted him to write articles that would show the sinfulness of man so the way he chose to do it was he said okay so i'm going to get these letters that go from one demon to another and um the the letter is like from screw to screw tape from wormwood and back and forth these two demons and one's an uncle and one's a nephew and he's trying to help his nephew learn how to influence his quote client which would be us like mm-hmm. the sinner yes. um, and how to play into their sinful proclivities to get them to not follow jesus basically okay and so it's basically this fictional work that he did like one every couple of weeks or one a month and he did it for so long they put it into a, a book yeah um, but he actually had to quit writing it because it was so dark and it was so hard for his soul to like work through that level of stuff that he eventually quit because of that the healthiness of his soul Uh, but i will tell you that you should probably read that book like once a year or every two years just to see we blame satan and and the enemy all the time but really what we need to blame is our sinfulness and this book brings to light all the reasons why our sinfulness is at the root of so much of what we do and so much of what takes us down bad paths i I think one of my favorites is when the when the new christian you know he's inside a church and you know Uncle Screwtape is, you know, telling Wormwood, hey, listen, tempt him to look over at the woman whose hair is messed up in the church or or what this person's wearing and all these things. And you're sitting there going, man, like, 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 this is like hit me in the chest right now. Like, like, and so it's, it's, that's one of my favorite. I love that. And I mean, it's, once again, it's a pretty dark work because, you know, you're reading, I mean, through a mindset of what a demon may do. But at the same time, I would encourage, once again, with Thomas, read this book. It's phenomenal. Um, uh, it's, one of my, it's a Christian class. Yeah, it's awesome. For me, I'm going to tell you to uh, grab this one, Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. Yeah, um, Donald Whitney is a uh, s- professor at the, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's what they like to say. Yeah, the yeah, 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 definite Baptist article, Seminary. man. Don't forget about it. Yeah. So, um, Neither one of us went there, by the way. Yeah, no, no yeah. yeah, I don't care. And so um, anyway, um, so at Southern, uh, Don Whitney is a phenomenal guy. He's a great guy on a Baptist view of the spiritual practices. Yep. Um, I really like his book, Praying the Bible. It taught, it revolutionized my prayer life. Um, taking a passage of scripture and learning how to pray scripture back to God. Yeah. I mean, praying God's words back to him. So like taking like the Beatitudes and like, you know, blessed are the meek. Well, Father, help me to be meek. Yeah. And then working through yeah. that, it helps your prayers not to be robotic, not to be, and, and it helps you to actually converse with God through God's word. It helps you to be more well-rounded in what you're seeking the Lord to do in you too. And you're not just focused on the same prayer requests every week and just thinking about Aunt Sally's toe or even those you care about that are in real bad situations, yeah. but you're actually focusing on like, Lord, help me to live out the gospel. Yes. Yeah, it's been good. really good. So speaking of living out the gospel, today's topic is this. Is the coronavirus 
killing cultural Christianity. Now, we got this idea from an article. Um, Actually, at the Gospel Coalition. Yeah, from the Gospel website. Coalition. So, yeah. plug in them again. Go back and check them out. We got this from an article. But really quick, let's talk about what cultural Christianity is. So, Thomas, I'll let you give a definition, and then I'll give mine. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you go first. Oh, I, but you know, rock paper scissors right now. I mean, no, I don't know. Okay, I'll do it. So, right. so cultural Christianity, and this is where I think in the West, so all the Western countries like Europe, uh, United States, we we all are thinking in this way, but I would say it's even more prevalent in the South, what I'm about to say. the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Yes, so when I think about cultural Christianity, I think that we grew up in Christianity, some form of it. Uh, A lot of us know things from the Bible. We we try to live morally at some level according to what the Bible says is morally right. Um, All of us know you shouldn't say Jesus' name in vain or say God's name in vain. Uh, we all grew up. Yeah. Don't cuss. Don't, don't drink, drink and don't date somebody who does, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. I think don't date girls who do or don't, what is it? Don't I mess that up. Don't, don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, don't drink, don't date girls who do. Yeah. That's that? good. Yeah. yeah, so yeah that, that's a good that. Southernism. Yeah. That's right? a good Southernism. I like yeah. That. So don't, don't, job, you know, don't do all the morally wrong things, but in reality, we're not in reality, we're not living out a life of relationship with God. Mm-hmm. It's it's this what you know what we know as moralistic therapeutic deism. Yeah. You know, we see yeah. that now it's a lot of big words. Essentially as though moralistic, you're trying to be a moral person, good moral person. Therapeutic, you're working to please this God deism. Well in therapeutic, you go to God when you don't know what to do yeah. and he helps you in those moments yeah. and then you walk away from him. That's it. And moralism is like if you just do it the, the moralistic things Jesus taught, people say, Oh Jesus was a good moral teacher. Well, he, yes, he was that, but he was more than that. If you don't believe more than that, like honestly live that out, yep. then it's just cultural Christianity. Yeah. So real Christianity is being, you were dead in Christ, that you're now alive in him. And so you are owned by him. He loves you. You're living your life in every capacity, learning who he is, walking with him. Yeah. For me, I will say cultural Christianity, you know, echo everything Thomas said. Um, I think cultural Christianity in a way though, especially in the South, now we're seeing this die in a lot of ways. But it's those who are Christians because it's socially advantageous. You know, like, I mean, like, it, 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 is, sure. it, is, it is an advantage to you socially to be a Christian. And I see this a lot, you know, in my, in my field, in student ministry. You know, the students who, you know, in their Instagram bio have a Bible verse in their biography. And then, like, that's the kid that, you know, we see out at, you know, part at football games that they're drunk at the football game. You know, and you're sitting there going, okay, that's cultural Christianity in a nutshell. They have the shell of Christianity, but on the inside, I mean, let's just go back to what Jesus said about the Pharisees. Woe to you, you whitewashed graves. Yeah, but let me see you say this, though. Let me make sure we're clear. Yeah. People that are living in cultural Christianity and think that that's true biblical Christianity they don't realize that that's not it. Yeah, I think there's a there's a really good book about this, The Unsaved Christian by Dean yeah. and Sarah. We yeah. actually did a small group on this here. It's phenomenal. I would, I mean, once again, you don't talk about book. Everybody needs to pick up. I think that that's like the the best missional textbook in our current cultural situation because so many times we encounter cultural Christians and we think that they're saved yeah. and they think they're saved, yeah. which is so stinking dangerous. Like I cannot elevate how dangerous that is. The hardest thing for me coming back to the South has been I have to first convince people they're not a Christian mm-hmm. and then lead them to Jesus. Yes, and that, so and other places that I've lived, you just share Jesus. But here you have to convince people they're not a Christian yet. Yeah. You know, and that's that's hard work. But I, I love it because I feel like I can read that like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can see that around here, especially having been gone for a while. Yeah. But that it is sad, 
but it's just what happens when you get to second, third, fourth generation Christians. Yes. That's what happens. Yeah, it's like what happens, well, that's what my grandmother believes. And so you go back to church on yeah. Easter because that's what your grandmother, you go back to your grandmother's church on Easter, yeah. you wear your cute little dress or your nice shirts, and then that's it. That's Christianity for you. your sucker pants. Yeah. In the okay. South. I've never been into those. Sorry, like, Matt Alexander. Like I've never like been them. into those. And so um, that's not me. But, hey, Thomas likes them. So maybe you and Matt can start a seersucker club. All right. So anyway, so now that we define cultural Christianity, what do you think? How do you think the coronavirus is actually killing cultural Christianity? Yeah. So the article talks about a few things. It talks about something that we've kind of tweaked. I, I would say one of the things it's doing is it's uh, stripping the church of comfort. You know, I, I've said before, and not only I, many people have said this, that possibly hear me right this is a strong statement possibly one of the greatest things that could happen to the church in the west for the sake of the purity of the church to make people like really understand what it means to follow jesus and if they are a christian or not would be for persecution to come yes so again say that again i think that what could be the greatest holiness activities that the church could go through would be persecution we see that all over the world when that Mm -hmm. happens okay I think you could insert the word coronavirus to this a little bit and see that what we're happening now is that we are seeing maybe for the health of the church that the coronavirus coronavirus might be really helpful for killing some of that cultural Christianity. It will make a divide between cultural Christianity and true Christianity and make that gap bigger so it's more obvious to people whether they are or are not living in true biblical faith. Yes. Um, I think that in so many times, too, you know, just even thinking about comfort— I mean, our churches are designed for comfort. Yeah, I mean, man. and a lot of things that we do. And so knowing this, now that our churches aren't meeting normally, you know, which leads into our next point, I think that, you know, now that we've been stripped away of what we know as comfortable is now gone. So therefore, it's stripped away. And now those Christians who were just complacent is another word that we talked about in this, that were so complacent, now they can't be complacent. Now that comfort can't just, it's just gone. And so I think that is one thing that's killing cultural Christianity. What's the next thing that you think is killing cultural Christianity? Well, let me say, let me leave it back here for a second on comfort. So, so, so jump back. Uh, yeah, jump back for just a second. So the comfort, it comes down to like, so we're comfortable because basically for most of the time in church, if you're an average church member, you may serve on a committee, you may serve as a greeter or, but for the most part, what do you do? You come in and hear, you listen, you drop something in a plate. You know, you take a cup of juice or wine, whatever church you're a part of, you um, you leave, go home, and that's, you did church. Yeah. You know, you fulfilled your obligation, and that's very comfortable. Yes. But the idea is, is that the Christian life is never called anything close to comfortable by Jesus. Nowhere in the scriptures. It's uh, opposite of that. Yes. You have to die to self. It's going to be hard. A few who find the way. Suffering will come. Yeah. You know, uh, tribulation will come. Those things will come. And so we need to realize that. Yeah. Um, we need to realize that when we do this, it is something that all these things, you know, biblically speaking, we have not been in the midst of this. And so... Next, what do you think is the next thing that's killing cultural Christianity? Um, so this is a weird phrase, but see if you follow me here. Disappearing church, only Sunday kind of faith. I think that the only Sunday kind of faith, the faith that only exists on Sunday like we just described, yes. is that's disappearing. So I think some people will still do it, um, but I think we're going to see a purge. I think we're going to see people that have been, wow, I need to go to church. I need to, well, now I have an excuse. Not only is it not... Is it hunting season, right? Yeah. Or is it, you know, bog season? Yeah. But now 
I might get sick or I might bring sickness home or I might get my mom sick when I go visit her. And so, you know, which are good reasons. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But I'm just saying now that could be the reason somebody goes, I'll just watch from home. And we all know while live streaming, we talked about it last week is really good. Yes. It's also something that, is not the same. It feeds cultural Christianity. It does. I, I think it does. Yeah. I think that it's like it feeds cultural Christianity on a spoon. Yeah. Um. I think that even you know talking about you know this disappearing church only Sunday kind of faith, this this Sunday only kind of faith with it disappearing because I mean now you have to live out your faith. You know now you have to now hey welcome to what Christianity is supposed to be. Now you got to live out your faith. Um. You can't just show up, listen to a sermon, and do this. I guess you could tune in. You know. But yeah. if you, but now these people stand out, you know, the like the, the the real Christians are going to stand out. I've been saying for for years, man, the church is going through a purge right now. The church is going through a purge right now. And I I used the illustration yesterday when we were talking through this episode. I think that it's like God turned the gas up, you know, like kind of like, yeah. like 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 sped us up ten to fifteen years. Sure in the future of what the church is going to be like. Now we still don't know on the other side of this pandemic, what church is going to look like. But what we do know is, is right now we're watching a purge happen. You know, we, we are watching a purge happen and we're going to see, you know, people fall. We're going to see people fall by the wayside. And I think, I think it may be even what what it, it could look like this. It could look like right now people might flock back in a sense because they can stream online. Yeah. Their church they grew up in. Right. Um, but when we go back to a new normal, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and however far that is different from the old normal, who knows, uh, we may actually see an even greater purge then of people that had flocked in and then flock out. Like, like with 9-11. 9-11 happened, uh, tons of people went back to church. Yes, I was in third grade. Yeah, and then, yeah okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Tyler. <laughs> uh, but after that fact, that like a year later, those people weren't still in church for the most yeah. part. So there seemed to be this, like, oh, wow, this great awakening for most people that didn't play out, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I don't think we're going to see a play out of a great awakening in this season. I think what we'll see is some people will be drawn in. The gospel is going out. It's great. It could be used in that mighty way. That'd be a glorious moment if it really was an awakening. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see a great awakening. Yeah. But but, I'm a little bit more pessimistic on those things. I'm like, yeah, yeah we'll see. Yeah. I don't think it's gotten that bad no. to, to bring people to that place. However, I do think, well, we're seeing some increasing in online viewing and stuff like that. We may see a greater purge, you know, a year from now, six months from now. For sure. Yeah. So, um, Let's talk about, you know, that 2080 mindset of what we talked about. How does the 2080 mindset actually feed into combating cultural Christianity in this season? So I hope what our folks are hearing from us is that we all need to be focused on becoming the disciple makers Jesus intended for us to be. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can be marginalized. You can marginalize yourself by just doing Sunday only, just doing live stream, showing up for this. But now that we're talking about it so much, now that it's in the forefront, do you want to do that? Do you think that's what faith is about? Do you have assurance of your faith if all you're concerned about is checking the box of Sunday morning? Because if you are in, it's like consumer Christianity. If all you have is stuff going in, but nothing's coming out, you're not very healthy. Right. Yeah. So if you're if you're feeding your stomach with fried chicken, but you're not working out, you better watch out. I heard right. A pastor called us spiritually obese Christians. Yeah. But like all we're doing is feeding, 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 and there's no working out. Yeah. And the working out part of it is simply like Jesus called you not to just to come to faith. He called you to join him in relationship in Christ, union in Christ. I think that we miss out on so much of that in our yeah. language of, you know, talking about salvation. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. It's, it's a marriage. Well, I mean, and that, he doesn't that, say, hey, come over here and sit down with me. What does he say to his first disciples? Hey, follow, follow me. me. And hey, I will co- make you fishers it, of men. Yeah, so follow me. Come with me. G- get on the journey with me, and I'm going to seek and save the lost. Yeah. 
And so if we're not becoming a part of that mission, then are we really the church or are we, are, are we sitting there as consumers? We're just a Christian not social club. Yeah. And I put together some phrases with that that lead us into another part of that. Which, are you a consumer or are you a producer? Are you a customer or a stakeholder in this? Or are you, and you've got one that's really good, are you a fan or are you the man in the arena? Get, where does that come so from? So the man in the arena comes from probably one of my favorite historical people. Now, a lot of you may not know this, my degree's in history. So like, and I went to JSU, got a degree in history. Theodore Roosevelt's one of my favorite people on the planet. I could talk about him an entire podcast. But Theodore Roosevelt has this quote, and it's a long quote. I would encourage you to Google it after you hear this. Simply, he says, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out the strong, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in their arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and without shortcoming. Yeah. Jesus I mean, called us to pick up the cross. Yes. And to take risk and to do these things into, I mean, really it's the fan versus the player. It's the, yeah. it's, it's, it's the person who's on the sidelines, you know, screaming out, man, why in the world did Nick Saban not call that play? Yeah, you're not Nick Saban. Well, yeah, and we can't go play on the field for Auburn or Alabama, no. right? And I emphasize I Auburn. We can't. We can't do that. <laughs> but what we can do is recognize we are called to be in the game on this and mm-hmm. not ride the pine. You know, we yeah, can't you, do that. You're not meant to be in the sidelines watching your pastors perform and watching your staff and your Sunday school leaders and and your lay leaders perform. That's not how the 2080 mindset works. That's not what the Bible calls no, you to. I mean, right? No, no, you are meant to be. We are meant to be equippers yep. going into and, and feeding and feeding you all. And then y'all are the ministers. Like, like the, yeah. the members of the church are the ministers of the church. If, and, if, and that's I think everybody would agree with yeah, that. Everybody statement. agrees with that. The problem is, are we and, and are we equipping well? Yeah. Are people ministering the gospel where they are? I can't go into where you work and share the gospel I the way that you can do that. I can't right? go into schools like you can. I right. mean, I can show up and pat you on the back and give you high fives in the lunchroom, you know. Yeah. But I can't go down the hall and live out my faith. And what a blessing we can still go in the lunchrooms oh, here. Amen to that, yeah. dude. I mean, you can't I, do that where I, I was. Yeah, you can't. I've only one time I've had a trouble where I, I couldn't go inside a school and it just. It was just a just a matter of happenstance. There was an atheist club meeting that day, and they were like, you know, we we can't just let yeah. you in. And so I get that, makes sure. sense. But by God's grace, we can still do that here. Yeah. So I got another idea of phrasing. This is called giving without getting, right? Yes. This is the season we're in. This is what was happening during this time. Uh, the coronavirus is killing cultural Christianity by shifting us to a mindset of giving without getting. Now, the first thing I think of with that is is financially yes. giving. And that's part of it. Like, what are you getting in this time when you give? If you're giving to get, you missed the whole point, yeah. right? You're not getting much out of this. If you're giving for the sake of furthering the kingdom mission, then you're doing it for the right reasons. Yes. If you're giving out of gratitude for what Jesus has given for us on the cross. That's a right attitude. So those are the, the, the mindsets we need to have. And I, and I listed out this phrasing, even though we're, we, the servant versus the served. Mm-hmm. Now, all of us are being served. We have been served by Jesus. We're being served by the Holy Spirit, by the Father's calling us, de- determining where we will be when we hear the gospel. We should be serving one another as but the church. we have to be serving others. Yes. So there is this, like, get your tank filled. But if you get your tank filled and you put the car inside the garage, that tank goes sour. Yeah. You've got to be out doing the ministry work as well. And that's the hard part. And it, this isn't to beat people over the head or to even, I mean, I'm feeling convicted over this conversation in many levels. The idea is, what is the church going to look like after coronavirus becomes like whatever the new normal hits us and what is it doing to the church right now? And I think the big piece that's happening in the church is that we're, we're going to see 
who is really committed to the faith family mm-hmm. and who's really committed to the mission. Cause you can be committed to being a part of a family, but not be a part of the purpose of that family. And therefore you're still kind of a sideliner yeah. and our, our, desire is to see everybody living out what God has created us for. And every one of us have been created to, to be a part of furthering the gospel in our circles where God put us. You are a unique individual in a unique circumstance with a unique opportunity to share Jesus and be the hands and feet of Jesus as you confess your struggles and point to him in a way that nobody else could do. And that's what we want to see everybody doing. If we do that, man, it, it will change the face of this county and this face of this community. It will change our church. People will look at us and say, wow, they've been with Jesus because look how they love one another and how they love this community. Which goes back to, you know, just close on this, that song that you mentioned earlier, Luke 24, did not our hearts burn? Mm-hmm. You know, brothers and sisters, how incredible would it be if people looked at us and said, man, did not our hearts burn when we were with them because they felt the presence of Jesus with us? Like, 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 like we were living out the ways of Jesus in our community, showing them the gospel and showing them the love that they have, that, that we have for them and that Jesus has for them. Yeah. And I mean, it plays out to just real quick. Some people have these fears of like, well, I could never do that. I could never do those things. Look back at Acts and you see these guys were fishermen. They didn't make it to the upper echelons of education. These guys didn't. Yeah. They, that, that's why they were doing the family trade, right? That's how it worked back then. Uh, and so they're doing the family trade. Peter's brash. He doesn't think things through. But what happens when they get arrested? They look at them and they hear them talking about Jesus and they go, gosh, these guys must have been with Jesus because they're not smart enough to do this. Yeah. And that's the beautiful part about it is like we're not doing this on our intelligence. We're not doing this on our ability or our skill sets. Not our social The Holy status. Spirit who created the universe and who empowers and sustains all things fills you if you are a Christian. The same power and, that raised Christ yes. from the dead now resides in you. And so when you open your mouth, in those moments, the Bible says he will give you the words to speak. Romans 8, man. That is beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And so, well, y'all, this has been a great episode of uh, the Rechurch Podcast. Keep tuning in. We keep getting good feedback. Um, we're still trying to push it out to iTunes and to Spotify and to but the main place I would push you to is our website as obviously so push people to our website get feedback from your friends let us know thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Re Church Podcast as we continue to see how we can become the way church Jesus intended